I recall the same feeling watching Hutchinson against Ohio State this year and thinking, that's a J.J. Watt kind of player. Either side, in the middle. Welcome to Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, with Brian Sexton, John Osher, Ashlyn Sullivan, and J.P. Shadrick. Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, starts right now. Welcome into the Jaguars Reporters Podcast. It's Monday, April 18th. J.P. Shadrick, Brian Sexton, John Osher, Ashlyn Sullivan out today. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com through the podcast tab on the homepage or on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. That's on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. And, of course, John especially loves feedback. So leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Hey, good morning, guys. How are we doing? What's what they up? call them now? Pods? Get your pods? Pods. I hadn't heard that. You know, it's short for podcast. No, no, I know what it's short for. I just had never heard get your pods. Well, you, you can get them. Short even further. Get your, your pods. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, right. We're off and running today. Uh, but who watched the USFL this weekend? Anybody? I did not see it. I did not. I, I watched the first game. I saw one highlight clip. Birmingham Stallions over the New Jersey Generals. It's your club, Birmingham, right? That's right. That's right. That's off, correct. Off the field, right? How about the technology that the television broadcast uses? They had drones all over the place. You know, when I was doing NFL Europe 20 years ago with Fox Sports, they had, you know, they thought this was novel. They had the coaches, and they let us take the assistant coaches live on the sidelines talking. And I can remember thinking all those years ago, uh, you know, this will be interesting. We'll see if this is going to grow in the NFL. And obviously, it still hasn't, you know, over here. And the USFL is going to push technology and cell phones and all that stuff is now such a big part of life. I'd be surprised if the NFL doesn't find some things to use from this. They should start taking advantage of that interweb thing, the NFL, the Internet. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. I, I, it'll never <laughs> take off. But, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, the drones thing is interesting. I, I've never been big on the talk to coaches during the game just because I feel like that – a, they're not going to say very much. They weren't interviews. They weren't. They were. They, oh, they had they a lot. Were, they were mics, and, yeah. and there were certain times where they yeah, knew. This league will never do that. Well, nope. it was really. Of course, this league owned that league, so right. at some point they were talking about what's going on here. The interesting part was they'd say between two and four minutes, you know, you're on, right? They, the, the time clock had little windows where we could use it, and then you'd have a production assistant behind the bench going, "Hey, you guys are live during this segment." So they would know not to drop f bombs and and all of that stuff. It was just it was fascinating stuff, and I really thought it it broadened the scope of of the broadcast and of the entertainment value of it. It's just interesting that twenty years later, with all the technology, the, they really haven't. What would be fascinating about that in the NFL is as soon as you put some of these guys on the mic oh, to hear them play into the camera, absolutely, and uh, sticking their chest out, it would be. It would be embarrassing at times. So did you like the technology? Did you like the drones? The drones made me feel a little uneasy. Like they're just a little – they're right in the you – know, coming behind the play and then swooping over a kick yeah. return and coming back. So you can't really see the whole play. That right. was part of my issue. And then they're actually doing it during you – know, they're following behind a receiver on a route. And I'm – you know I don't know how they avoid getting hit by the football, but when it's thrown to the sideline or something like that. So they're just swooping all over the place. It, it felt, a little, for me, just yeah. looking at it, uh, just like you, you're, you're a little uneasy. It was weird. Is, is, it, is it my memory failing? Or at some point, like seven or eight years ago, did they not on NBC have like the cam that came down on like the wires? Do they still do that? Yeah, Skycam. Yeah, that's right. They still do that? They do that, yeah. Really? Yes. Because I hadn't seen it in a while. Yeah. I felt like it oh, was, yeah. do you it know was that, an idea that time, 
the time it passes. No, that's that's on, on a, every big college game has that now, yep, and like okay. the big Sunday night NFL. And on your iPad yeah. on the Sunday night, if you go to their website, you can switch to that camera and just watch that camera. You can go to the sideline cameras. Right. So they've used some technology, you know, in some alternate platforms. It's just from what I've read of the USFL, and you know, the XFL will take it to another level uh, because that's what you know they do. They're they're pushing the limits and trying to create new ways to engage fans. And um, what do they think of next? Well, we got uh, all these <laughs> spring leagues to yeah. to try some things out. That's USFL it. this year, the XFL's next year. Is it the XFL or the who did the NFL just invest in, or just do they have? A, there's a partnership for player development. They announced it last week. It's probably the XFL. So there you go. We've got football. I want to technology that didn't catch on, JP. Back in the old days, in 1974, the WFL, right? Uh, the Sharks were in it, the Jacksonville Sharks, That's the right. Jacksonville Express. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a first down marker where instead of, in, instead of chains, they laid it on its side and extended it 10 yards. It never took off. Oh, no. so the USFL, that, they don't have chains. No, they have a chip in the ball, and they have electronic yeah. chains that, uh, that take those off the sidelines. I never saw that in action during the game that I watched the other night. Um, they didn't really have to show it or, hey, we're measuring this. I, I, it, maybe I missed it. I was in and out of the game a little bit. But, you know, we'll the see GPS in the ball and the field being subject to that sort of thing feels like a, a thing that's coming at some point. I won't like it. I don't like it either. I like the drama <laughs> of pulling the chain out and stretching right. the chain out. Like yeah. I think television likes that too. I, and, and you can be sure that they will find a way when it's fourth and inches to show you exactly how far it is, whether it's you know electronically a, a line or an arrow or something, they'll find a way to recapture that drama. But hey, guys, well, it's the entertainment business now, yeah. right? I mean, it, it always has been about entertaining fans and getting them to the TV. But this is taking it to a completely different level. Don't they have that now in, in like soccer? They have the VAR thing, and then tennis has it as well. You can uh, you know you can look at the in or out real quick. Yeah, tennis has it on hard courts and and grass. They have the eye in the sky. They don't have it on clay because the technology, there's something about the technology that won't work on clay. So I wonder, at Wimbledon it works on grass, hmm. so I wonder uh, if it would translate to uh, the American Very field. interesting so, about um, that. Well, I mean, you can see the mark in clay, right, where the ball hits? Yes. Yeah, but it's, it's... I'm not a tennis guy. Right. It's sometimes... Uh, <laughs> there are people who want it on clay, but it hasn't happened yet. I play on clay. And uh, with some friends, and we argue really? over that mark was there. No, that mark was there. <laughs> right. Exactly. Of course you do. This is the Jaguars Reporters Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Brian Sexton, and John Osier. All right, so it's the second week of Phase 1 of the offseason program. Same rules as last week. You're limited to meetings, strength and conditioning, some rehab work. It's all voluntary, of course. Uh, only four hours a day in the building. Now, last week we heard from offensive coordinator Press Taylor. He was on Jaguars Happy Hour with us. This is an important time, obviously. It's their first real opportunity to talk X's and O's and continue to build this offense. But imagine being 34 years old. Those were the days, first of all. It's been a minute. Oh, how long for uh, you, Pat? <laughs> a little a few. while. A few. Um, but you have all this offensive brain power around you, too. I mean, Doug Peterson's here, of course. Uh, Mike McCoy, Jim Bob Cooter, Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback. I mean, they're building this thing together. That is a lot to get done in the first couple of weeks of this thing. wonder if it's too many cooks in the kitchen at one point, right? you got Jim Bob Cooter. Did you mention him? Mm-hmm. Um, I, first of all, Press Taylor was so impressive in his original news conference. I mean, I just remember sitting there thinking, this guy is 34 years old, and 
in this room leading all of these players. So an impressive young offensive mind. And he's got Mike McCoy, got some older coaches in the room, and he's going to have to lead. I'm going to be interested in that dynamic. Yeah, yeah I sat down with uh, Mike last week, Mike McCoy. Um, you know, it, it, it was one 10-minute segment, but I didn't get the idea. Uh, I had not come away from that thinking, wow, this guy is really itching to call plays. So the cooks in the kitchen part, I don't see uh, that being an element with McCoy. He talked about uh, the gist of the conversation we had was how glad he was to be back in the quarterback room, uh, working one-on-one with a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, uh, supporting Press Taylor, which is what you would expect him to say. But, uh, again, I didn't get the vibe that he was coming back eyeing, trying to get back to a certain level. I got the idea that he's really happy to be back in the NFL, though, after two years. You're gonna, we're going to hear that conversation tomorrow, I believe. The Ozone podcast yes. drops. You've yes. been dropping podcasts left, right, yeah, up, can, down. Uh, yeah, I, they keep slipping out of my hand. I can't pick them up. You, gotta, drop, them. you drop them out there. That's right. People listen to them. So we'll look forward to that. McCoy had been out of the league for, what, three years? Yeah, two time? years. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, no, I'm sorry, three, because he was last in 18. So, um, and... He has a relationship with Doug Peterson, had been looking to get back in, and, and wanted to get back in at the right time. And as you can imagine, somebody who's been out of the league, a chance to come back and work with Trevor Lawrence, work with Doug Peterson, working with Trevor Lawrence. If you're an offensive guy, uh, it's hard to imagine a better situation than that. Well, and, and take it for what it's worth, who guys work with. He worked with Peyton in, uh, in Denver, and he worked with Phillip Rivers in San Diego, uh, both of whom are bigger quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence is. You know, we talked last year about all the different people Brian Schottenheimer had worked with, you know, and Daryl Bevel had worked with. But, um, you know, these are two guys who are more stylistically aligned with a Trevor Lawrence than uh, Russell Wilson. So you're getting that kind of brain power and that kind of experience into the room with him. It can't be bad from that perspective. But these first two weeks, I think, are, are key just to set the tone, figure out the language, and get everything going in the right direction once they get on the field. They can uh, use that in practice and, and move forward. Well, and, and, and honestly, looking at it, it's, it's all how much Trevor can digest and how much he wants. I mean, that, they're doing and building around him. So all these guys are getting together and laying things out, and he's going to be picking and saying that works or that doesn't. Yeah, and I, 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 haven't, I didn't hear what uh, Press Taylor had to say, but McCoy made a point of saying that, you know, Trevor's got a lot of work to do. He's a talented guy, but I think this staff also knows uh, if, if, if you want to get from where he was last year, which is not where he wants to be, um, this is not just a turnkey approach where all of a sudden just because he's Trevor Lawrence, it's going to work out week one. They have work to do with him. I think they're aware of that. The Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as Doug Peterson, quarterback Trevor Lawrence, lead the charge. Lock in your seats. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. NFL draft a little over a week away. That's after this. Welcome back to Jaguars Reporters. The Jags will host the 2022 Duval Draft Party presented by Baptist Health. It's Thursday, April 28th, starting at 6 o'clock at Daly's Place. You can enjoy live draft analysis and onstage appearances by head coach Doug Peterson and select Jaguars players. And then stick around for the draft. We'll have our live analysis from Jaguars.com after the Jaguars' first round pick. Register for tickets at Jaguars.com slash official 
draft party. I'm ready for the draft now. I was not ready un- until this weekend, and for some reason I woke up today thinking, you know what, I, I am excited for the draft. I'm ready to go. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not usually that excited, JP. I know that. So I'm ready after, after a long winter's nap. We, we've won John over, right. finally. Brian, are you ready? Uh, well, I better be. I'm going to Vegas next Tuesday. Um, <laughs> Vegas, baby. No, I, I, I am. I am. Uh, it's kind of, I don't know how to describe it. When, when you're sitting at the top of this draft and there's not a lot of drama, uh, last year it was obviously a great storyline. Uh, this year, it's intrigue. You know, do you take the safe pick? Uh, and Hutchinson seems like he's going to be a really good safe player. Or do you take the lightning in the bottle pick? Uh, the Tra- uh, Travon Walker kid from Georgia, who's eye-poppingly athletic, and everyone says he's a great kid. Or do you go off the board and do something unexpected? Don't you think it's got to be one of those four guys we've been talking about forever? Hutchinson or Walker or Neal or Quanu? I mean, there's there's no... No dark, there's no dark horse coming in. I don't no, think. there can't no, be. No, no. There can't be. No. Not at this point, John. No, and I was actually looking at some stats yesterday because I'm so excited for the draft. <laughs> um, and all, all of the knocks that you hear on uh, uh, Hutchinson, oh, the one year, he only had one great year. Yep. Uh, go back and look at J.J. Watt's stats in college. You know, I... I am not one to spend a whole lot of time on a guy's college stats, except that I do think it's good to see at least one year where there was uber production if you're going to be a sack guy. And that was his last year at Wisconsin. I think I've said, told you the story. I remember getting to Houston for a game and turning on the Rose Bowl, and it was TCU against Wisconsin, and all you saw was J.J. Watt dominating, and you knew he was worthy of that. I got the same feeling. I believe feeling. he actually had five sacks as a senior. Uh, I recall... The same feeling watching him against Ohio State, Hutchinson against Ohio State this year, and thinking that's a J.J. Watt kind of player. Either side, in the middle, the long arms, the broad shoulders, um, whether he ever reaches that level of performance remains to be seen. But you know, people forget J.J. Watt was a transfer from Central Michigan where he was a, um, a tight end. Tight end, that's right. And yep. his stats are remarkably similar as well to T.J. Watts in college. And... Uh, you take that all day long. Yeah, and I think the only guy who's like a mega pass rusher people think about, Chase Young had like 17 as a senior. It was something ungodly. Miles Garrett but, had a pretty good year too. But often these guys have a huge stretch, and then college teams game plan for them, and they throw everything at them. They put three guys over them like Georgia, Georgia did. Yep. And you can take a guy away if you want to do that. Um, I – I think people are over over analyzing the Georgia game with him. Uh, he had a dominant stretch during his his final season. He's as red. There's nothing really to indicate that one game like that is going to cause you to succeed or fail in the NFL. I think he's going to be fine. Well, exactly. Here's what you hear about him: is that he'll be a ten sack guy year after year, but he may not be Nick Bosa or Chase Young. Okay, well, we haven't had a lot of 10-sack guys around here in the last, since 2006, right? Since Tony Bracken's left. That's, if he's that good, plug him in and go. If that's the pick at number one, you'll never regret it. You know who had 17 and a half sacks last year? Will Anderson Jr. in his true sophomore season at Alabama. He's coming out in 2023 most likely, and he'll yeah. be a top five guy next year. But and hopefully the Jags aren't there, there to, in, that, in that mix. That would that's be, a Josh Allen number. It's crazy, right? Yeah. 
Josh Allen had, what, 17 as a senior. That's so, right. Um, again, you can't control what's not in the draft. Uh, but you can't control what you take there. Would they feel better if there was a quarterback so that they could trade down? I think they would. I think they would do that. It, it's not there. Nope. Would you feel better if if it was Chase Young who was considered can't miss or Miles Garrison who can't miss? Sure. That's not what's there, so you got to decide what's uh, uh, from what's there. It, to me, I have a hard time thinking right now that, that the pick won't be Hutchinson. I'm with you on that. I think I've said my favorite player when I watch him is the tackle from North Carolina State. I, I love Aquanu, but it's hard to see them taking him with the situation they've got with Cam Robinson and, and Brandon Sheriff. Um, I think Hutchinson, not only he's the best player in this draft, according to people, um, if that's the case, it doesn't matter that you don't have those other guys. You take the best player. So I think Hutchinson's the safest and the best player. Coming up this week, Jags drive time, Tuesday. What's on the docket tomorrow, guys? Any- Chris Manhurts, Manhurts. is a guest. All yeah. right. Uh, and, of course, we'll have Brian Sexton on as well. So. Oh, wow. And maybe Ashland will be here, too. We'll see. Yeah, yes. Uh, that'll be tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Uh, Wednesday, huddle up with Bucky Brooks. Thursday, Jaguars happy hour. And then the Week in Review on Friday. Uh, Mike McCoy, Ozone Podcast, tomorrow, I believe, John. Yes, that should drop tomorrow. Which uh, And it, it's a good conversation uh, with a guy who is ready to get back into coaching and is going to have uh, you know intimate contact uh, with the most important player on the team, which is Trevor Lawrence. So I think it will be a good podcast. We'll look forward to hearing that as well. And thank you for listening on Jaguars.com through the podcast tab on the homepage or on the official Jaguars podcast network, wherever you download your pods, Bri. Pods. Yes. Right. We love feedback, I'm in for of course. It. Uh, leave us a comment and a five-star rating. That's Brian Sexton, John Osier, and for Joe Fortunato, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time on the Jaguars Reporters Podcast.